Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph. We're about to study chapter 22. We left off the last chapter with uh, David running from the wrath of Saul. Uh, we uh, David ran to uh, to find refuge at in Gat, the uh, city of the Philistines. In order to keep himself safe, um, he had to feign uh, madness and um, pretend he was um, <coughs> um, <coughs> pretend he he was crazy uh, because he was afraid that the king of Gat would might take retribution against him because of course David had been responsible for the death of many Philistines he was taking refuge in enemy territory so clearly that wasn't a safe environment so at this point David needs to run and that's what this chapter is going to begin with David leaving Gat and trying to find refuge somewhere else the um at this point David is still alone uh, he's still running alone, and he, if we remember, and this is very important, he had received provisions in the town of Nov from the Kohanim, the priests that lived there, and the priests that had set up in Nov a sort of temporary tabernacle, a temporary mishkan, um, uh, where they served God, uh, hopefully in anticipation of the day when uh, a final temple would be established. The... Um, uh, and if you remember, the coin, the head of the Kohanim, his name was Achimelech. He was the one who gave David uh, bread, uh, provisions for the road, uh, thinking that David was a, um, um, a high-up official in the administration of Shaul. And um, there was a doig Edomi, an Edomite. This is a, uh, a non Jewish, uh, an Edomite uh, servant of Saul, um, <clears throat> who was there and watched that happen, watched that happen when Achimelech gave David provisions. All that is important background to understand what's about to happen in chapter 22. And uh, before I uh, begin, I want to point out and pay attention very closely, because in this chapter, <laughs> we learn about how paranoia leads can lead a leader or a dictator who wants to hold on to power, his paranoia and his des desire to maintain his leadership at any cost, whether he should be there or not, um, leads him to see everything and, and interpret everything in, as if everyone is against him, uh, as, if, you know, as if you're either with me or against me. As if the the um, you know and, and to end up uh, making enemies of the people that should be your friends and so on, uh, we see the way the and we also will will I'm going to point out as we go through the key difference and we mentioned this before but it's going to get more and more and more obvious the difference between a leader who takes responsibility for his mistakes and when he makes a mistake. He takes responsibility for it, recognizes it, and tries to rectify it. <clears throat> Versus a leader who consistently doubles down. When he says something wrong or does something wrong or something bad happens that he was responsible for, instead of taking responsibility, he 
blames, always blames someone else, and someone else needs to take the fall for it. These are classic um, uh, characteristics that we find when we look at leadership throughout history, throughout the world, when we look at people that have dictatorial tendencies, people that have the tendency to, to abuse their power, those are the people that refuse to take responsibility for what they do wrong, and it generally comes from a paranoia as if everyone is against them. The, uh, <clears throat> and everything they see is interpreted that way. You're either with me or against me. So David leaves Gat. So now David clearly at this point poses no threat whatsoever to, um, to, the, to Saul, to the uh, administration of Saul. He's alone, he's wandering, he's running. He is a lone refugee. So he leaves Gat because he's no longer safe there. And, he, and this, this uh, being a madman in Gat... Uh, being a homeless guy hanging out in the gates of God is not exactly uh, going to work out, work out for too long. So he leaves Vayimolet el Ma'orat Adulam, and he runs to the cave of Adulam. This is an area where there were many caves. Um, still are many caves. These caves had uh, roles to play in many times throughout history, um, and this is one of them. Um, <coughs> uh, all the way down to the times of Bar Kokhba, where many, many years later, uh, the fighters of Bar Kokhba hid in these caves. Uh, it, we find these caves pop up several times. But here David goes to run and hide there. It's a reasonable place for a lone refugee to try to find a safe place to hide. And his brothers and his father's house heard, and they went and they joined David there. This is very interesting because, remember, in the beginning, David's brothers weren't so um, supportive of him being the king. His, remember that his older brothers were passed over by Shmuel. Um, when Shmuel want, wanted to anoint one of them king, uh, God told Shmuel to pass over his older brothers. And remember when he vis- went to visit his brothers when they were at war before the story of Goliath, um, his older brothers weren't that uh, welcoming of David. Uh, but it seems that in that the passage of time since then, David has established himself as a real, um, reliable, uh, uh, successful leader, and and he had shown himself to be a genuine uh, person. And it seems like his brothers and his family are now supporting him, which is part of the reason why Shaul became so paranoid, presumably. And if you remember, Shaul's anger was stoked when he found out that David was going back to spend time with his family. Knowing that the entire family of David is behind him, it makes David that much more powerful. So now that his family is with him, this is important, so now he can start building, he can start moving and transitioning from being a lone refugee, wandering around, pretending he's... A, he's, he's, he's he is um, a lunatic to being uh, someone who's going to become a viable leader and an alternative king to Saul. And all the people that were um, in bad shape, people that, you know, um, people that owed money. So we're talking, you know, all of the uh, people in society that were uh, on the lower rungs of society, the ones that were in financial straits, 
V'chol ish mar nefesh, anyone who had, uh, literally, mar nefesh translates to bitter soul, people that had that had gripes against society, you know, uh, um, and they all gathered with him in this area, Adulam. Um, and these are, it makes sense, these are people that are hanging out around the caves. They didn't have a place to live. They were homeless. They, their, their homes were, uh, were, um, were foreclosed on by the bank, the people that, uh, that uh, lost their jobs. They all rallied around and hung around David, and again, this gives you the sense of David being a person, a leader who cared, and someone who they could look up to. And they're therefore gathered around him about 400 people. So now you have David with 400 men, not exactly uh, uh, the uh, strong, powerful, disciplined army uh, or, uh, or entourage, but... but People, nonetheless, supporters, nonetheless, and um, and his family as well. David From there, he went to uh, Mitzpeh Moab. Mitzpeh Moab is the place on the Dead Sea, which a high place where you look out towards Moab. Moab, which is on the other side of the Dead Sea, on the west side. I'm sorry, the east side of the Dead Sea, which is modern day uh, Jordan. Vayomer al Melech Moab. And when he went there, he said to the king of Moab, he met the king of Moab. Now, Moab is a well-established enemy of the people of Israel. Moab is also, David has ancestry there, right? David's ancestor, his, his great-grandmother was Ruth, was Ruth, who was a Moabite. Um, uh, and so he had some family kinship to Moab. And also, Moab is an enemy of of the people of, of Israel and, and an enemy of Saul. And if Moab is probably, the king of Moab is probably interested in fomenting some trouble among his enemy because, you know, once, once there's fighting going on within uh, your, the enemy ranks, it weakens them and it gives Moab the upper hand. So it makes sense also that David would look to Moab for some support. Uh, one because of his family kinship, and, uh, and two because because uh, Moab uh, is going to be an enemy of Saul. So, so he and he said to the king of Moab, "Can my father and mother stay with you?" David understood that Saul was would be uh, eventually want to take revenge against David's family. His father and mother were old. And 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 wouldn't be able to defend themselves, and he wanted them to be safe. He said, "Please, take my parents, Adasher Eida, until I know Mayasali Elohim." So David, at this point, doesn't know what the future holds until I find out and I see what what God does. What what's God's plan here? What's going to happen with me? Where is this all going to lead? Vayan Chemet Pnei Melach Moav, and he um <laughs> he led them and brought them to greet the king of Moab. And they stayed with him. As long as David remained in Mitsuda. Mitsuda is uh, like a fortress, uh, also a some sort of uh, a rock fortress that presumably was on, based on what we've just read, somewhere on the west bank of the um, of the uh, Dead Sea, uh, and a place which. Which, when one looked across the sea, one would see Moab, and his parents were now safe on the other side of the Dead Sea in Moab, being protected by the king of Moab.
Now, someone else shows up who... Vayomer Gad Hanavi, who we don't know who he was or where he came from. The, 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 the verses don't tell us. But another person comes and joins the camp who is very important to uh, establish a true... Uh, a, a court of a king is God Hanavi, God the prophet, said to El David, to David, Lo don't stay here, don't settle down here in this fortress too long. Rather, to in order to uh, continue to build your following, you need to go do as follows. You need to go and come to the land of Judah because, and as we'll see over time, because you need to establish yourself and you need to gain a following among the people. It's fine. It's well and good. Now you have your family with you. That's very important. Now you have the um, you have 400 people with you that will support you, that will fight for you and protect you. But now you need to get the people. And what we're going to see here is um, David is going to uh, establish... And, and, and build up the allegiance of the people of Judah to him as a leader. And in contrast, Shaul is going to concentrate on his people of Binyamin, of Benjamin, and the other tribes. This is foreshadowing the eventual split. And I've been making this point repeatedly that, that this attitude of Shaul bringing about uh, basically, this this uh, uh, split between the the uh, uh, other tribes and Judah is eventually going to lead, you know, down the road several generations later to uh, the split of the kingdom, and the the rather than working towards unity, Shaul laid the seeds of disunity, which eventually uh, brought about the destruction of the people many, many, many generations later. So, and, and this is crucial, that even though David himself did work to unify them, the fault lines were laid down and the fault lines were made for generations. So, um, but, so now this God Hanavi, so the God the prophet, who we don't know his story or why he joined David, but apparently... You know, presumably God sent God this prophet to to David to and give him these instructions as he just did. You need to go and start building allegiance among the people of Judah. David and David went and he went to the forest of Charet. Now we come to uh, let's go focus on Shaul. We've just told you what was happening with David. Now what's happening with Shaul? Shaul is now living in this. Um, terrible uh, mood of paranoia everything he sees about him is an enemy any anyone that doesn't absolutely uh support him and his delusions is is an enemy and is conspiring with david remember david never conspired he never david was was ready to be and was a loyal servant of saul but saul didn't see it that way everything he saw was paranoia he thinks david is out to get him so therefore Shaul heard David that um, that David, you know, now that he's with his family, he's meeting with the king of Moab. He has uh, four hundred men with him. It's not, it's not staying secret for too long. So the word got out that David was out there. People were gathering around him, and of course, Saul interpreted this as a giant insurrection. 
Um, and that he had people with him. So now he's sitting in his place. Giva was where his capital was. And where was he sitting? Underneath a tree, an Eshel tree, Barama, in a, in a high place. And he's standing there with his spear in his hand. The spear is the symbol of his um, willingness and to use violence and his paranoia. He's sitting there, you know, like as if he had a gun in his holster, ready to kill anyone who he was suspicious was trying to get him. And all of his servants were standing around him. And Shaul says to his servants that are standing around him, Listen to me, you people of Benjamin. Now this is crucial here. So here Saul is speaking to the people of Benjamin. David is now going to his tribe, the tribe of Judah. What is this? Is did 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 David uh, promise you all to give you fields and vineyards? Yasim Did he promise? He promised to make you all uh, heads of his army and you know um, and generals and officers and give you commissions in his in his army. Is that what he's doing? David is making all these promises. Of course, this is just completely delusional. No such thing ever happened. But. But Shaul is imagining that David is making all these promises and building up this huge insurrection, and everyone around him is a potential enemy. All of you are are conspiring against me. And what, what's in Saul's mind? What's the proof that they're conspiring against him? Because no one is telling me what's going on. No one is. No one told me that there was a bichras ben Yishai that my own son made an agreement. May, is conspired with that son of Jesse, that son of Yishai. There isn't um, a single person who is, who is worried about me, who cares about me, and tells me what's happening. That my own son has, has set up a trap for me like he has done today. So first, this is what happens with conspiracy theorists. First, he imagines that everyone's against him. He imagines that his son conspired with David to take down Shaul, which was never true. That never happened. His son was a good friend of his, but uh, David, true. But on, on no occasion did his son, Jonathan, uh, actually conspire to take down Saul. In fact, Jonathan and David were loyal members of Saul's court. But because he sees them, he thinks that happened. And then since... He thinks it happened. Nobody told him. Of course, nobody told him because it didn't happen. But in his mind, nobody told him because everyone's all with the enemy. <laughs> so, um, therefore, he's standing there with his spear uh, about to take uh, um, revenge on the very people who would support him. Uh, and so what happens here? Vayan doeg adomi The doeg, the Edomite. So, the the enemy uh, Doeg do was a member was an Edomite an Edomite was another nation that was an enemy of Israel at the time, but Saul had Doeg the Edomite as one of his lead um, his lead officers and it seemed that he was almost I mean I've heard him compared to the head of the the KGB he was he was uh, the Abir Haroim meaning he was the strongest of the leaders was how he was referred to in the last chapter, meaning he was a bully and, and, 
and he was ready to take action against others within Saul's administration who were per perceived by Saul as being disloyal. And you, it's just, anyone familiar with the history of dictators and strong men leaders realizes that that one guy who makes pretend that he's the loyal one and, and he does that by doing what? By exposing all of these supposed traitors. Um, and by exposing them, he proves to the leader his loyalty. But meanwhile, these traitors aren't necessarily traitors. Or they aren't maybe not even traitors at all. They may even actually have been good supporters. But this is what he does, and this is also classic. And and he was standing above uh, the servants of Saul. It's crucial to make note of the the terminology here al abdeshol it doesn't say im abdeshol he was that he was standing with the servants he was standing on top of them as if he was kind of uh, acting as if he was the strong one the boss of them vayamar and he said raisi has ben yishai i saw i was there when the son of yishai ba nove came to the town of nove elachimelach ben achitov to achimelach the son of achitov so he's saying, um, you know, because remember, Doig Adomi was there among the people. And Achimelech who prayed, um, it, literally this means he asked God on his behalf, which means he prayed for him and prayed for his success, which is a lie. We did not see that Achimelech prayed or performed any ceremonies on David's behalf. In fact, David said, quick, I just need some bread because I'm running, right? But Sedon Nasanlo, and he gave him food, which is true, any good lie needs to have some truth in it in order to make it believable. And make it even worse, he gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, which is also true. But remember, when, when Achimelech gave that to David, he thought that he was the um, representative of Saul. He thought that David was there as the, the chief of staff in Saul's army that one of the high ups in Saul's kingdoms he was being loyal to the king when he gave it to David he had no way to know that David was uh, somehow an enemy so here we have uh, um, Doeg trying to portray Achimelech as if he was an enemy in order to ingratiate himself with the leader Saul so the king sent he said go get for me Achimelech the son of Achitov, the coin, and you need to bring his entire family, all of the members of his household, all of the Kohanim, all of the priests that live in Nov. And all of them came to the king uh, to be seen by the king. Uh, we get the sense this is not going to end well at all. Um, and one of the most tragic uh, events in, well, the entire uh, Bible is about to happen. Uh, certainly uh, one of the most uh, awful deeds of Saul and just demonstrates just how low someone can fall when they become paranoid and when they're unwilling to accept responsibility for what they've done and when they're unwilling to, um, to let go of power when, even when it's appropriate. And when, they're un when, they, when they were told already by God and his prophet that it's time to step down and hand over the reins, but... He refuses to do so, and then he becomes paranoid. It leads him to uh, what we're going to find out soon next uh, podcast is mass murder. So this is the first half of chapter 22. Thank you so much for studying this together. Looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter and, of course, the rest of the book of Samuel together.